This is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast. This is VP. We are a solutions-based podcast, diving into the world of contrarian investing and alternative finance. You can find us hosted on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel, nononsenseforex.com, and podcast players everywhere. Episode 125 is brought to us by Bybit. I saw a lot of people sign up over the last couple weeks to Bybit. Wonder why. Now, even though you should have done it earlier, welcome, everybody. I think you're really going to like your stay. Make sure to get used to the system. Make sure to claim your sign-up bonus. And get ready to have all sorts of promotions and giveaways coming down the pike soon here. Now, as always, Bybit is not available to residents in the United States, Canada, and the UK. I will announce now that I am working on a partnership for those three countries. You guys know I don't rush into these things, but I'm not going to leave 60% of my audience high and dry either. So for those of you who can trade on Bybit, welcome again. And just know that with Bybit, membership has its rewards. It is the 10 Minute Contrarian Podcast, and if you recall two weeks ago, I said that this episode was likely going to be on digital scarcity, and as I often do on this podcast, if something more relevant or more important comes up in that time frame, then we push the episode I was talking about aside, and we talk about what's going on right now. And I think, even though we just had a crypto episode, that it's still very appropriate, because we are in a space now. In the crypto market that is is just different than what we've seen in the past it's new territory and so i think it's appropriate that we talk about it and we do it with a more unbiased eye than you normally see because guess who's woken up you know if they weren't already awake the uh, crypto twitter crypto youtube the cheerleaders you know they're awake and they have something to say too um, now what most people like I guess forget, is these are the same people that were cheerleading you all the way from 69k Bitcoin all the way down to 16.5k Bitcoin. But that's how strong these feelings are. Most people have forgotten this. That's the problem with people who only have a long bias, is you're not going to get all sides of the story. Now, Some people out there might think that I have nothing but a short bias. That is not correct. If I did, I wouldn't be buying anything at least not anything risk on, and I've been buying crypto all this year. We'll talk more to that later in the show. But let's go ahead and recap the reasons for this run-up, and what some are saying is now officially a bull market. Uh, Be very careful when you see these people. (laughs) saw somebody on a Twitter Spaces uh, about a month or so ago just like yelling and cursing, saying, stop saying it's a bear market, it's a bull market. It all depends on how zoomed in you are on the chart. (laughs) You could do this anywhere. I almost want to jump on spaces and give this guy the business, but just not something I ever do. Those people are miserable enough. But the big question is, at this stage of our history, are we or aren't we, and how should we play it? So let's talk about the events that led up to this run-up. So uh, first of all, you had just basic FOMO coming in because institutional investors and the actual smart people in the room, the people who we haven't heard from yet, are all getting bullish on Bitcoin. Yeah, maybe not all, but a lot more than before. Before, you just kind of had these renegade hedge funds, you know, your pioneers in the industry coming in and talking it up, uh, while most of TradFi was not. And I'd said before, too, this next bull market is going to solely rely, not solely, but uh, primarily rely on institutional money coming into the game. If you remember before, it used to be really hard for them to do that. Now it's gotten easier, and now with these ETFs, it could get even easier. 
Now, are you going to get the pension funds, the people at the very top, those, you know, those mega trillions out there of grandma's pension money? Probably not. And we may not see that in our lifetime. But we don't need that. And so with that institutional money now gaining interest, you have also seen some of the dumb money come back in too. Now, this is a double-edged sword because I had said before, we need the dumb money, uh, the moon boys, the bad traders, the bad investors to pump this market up. You know, the smart people on the institutional side need these people as well so they can manipulate them and take all their money. You know, your exit liquidity has to come from somewhere. And now they are slowly starting to pop their heads back in. Remember, even if you've gotten burnt by this market in the past, um, the reason why you got in is because you're looking for opportunity. You're looking for quick ways to make money. Uh, you're looking for that big upside. And whether it's burnt you or not, the crypto market is still the best place to get that. And so not all of the dumb money is going to come back. But again, we don't need all of the dumb money to come back. We just need enough of them combined with the smart money who is entering the game for the first time to make a real bull market occur. Now, do we have enough of that yet? I don't know. Uh, there's no way to measure this. But to add fuel to the fire, uh, Evil Empire, BlackRock, has announced that they have filed for an Ethereum ETF. Uh, now, why would they announce such a thing? They want low prices for their clients, right? Well, you have to announce when you apply for something like this. Or even if you don't have to physically announce it, it's going to be known. So you may as well. And this was really interesting. You know, BlackRock gets a bad rap because they uh, they sucked up most of the uh, the residential real estate in the United States. They were at the forefront of the ESG movement. They were pretty much the the hammer that was going to enforce all of this ESG that the elites were wanting. Now they have since backed off of that, oddly enough, uh, once they found out just how unpopular ESG was. A very surprising move, by the way, but I digress. What was interesting is they it's terrible PR for them to have the first spot Bitcoin ETF because the first one is going to get the most money in it by far. History has shown us this. So I think what they decided to do is take a back seat to Bitcoin and share the wealth with the other issuers who had applied and maybe say, okay, you know, we'll, we'll share the wealth on Bitcoin, but we want to get in early and we want to be the first ones into Ethereum. Not as big or as popular as Bitcoin, but if we can take the lion's share of it, then things should even itself out in the end. Remember, there's a lot of people out there who are very bullish on blockchain technology, but not bullish on Bitcoin, especially people high up in finance. Um, but that certainly added fuel to the fire. That made altcoins run. Or, you know, altcoins were running before that, but it really fanned the flames and got Ethereum back over 2000. And you saw a lot of the layer ones pump too, in particular Solana, which grinds my gears a bit because uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen me talk about it a bit. But that one was on the spreadsheet for an episode. Um, I have not invested in Solana yet, but it was going on my watch list at some point, and then I was going to use a trailing buy and get into it later on down the road. And for the, at least the narrative behind it was that you don't really need a layer two because it's so fast and it's gotten most of its mistakes out of the way. I would agree with those two things. I'm not techy enough to know if it's gotten its mistakes out of the way. 
But it's like those signs in the workplace. It's been this many days since our last accident, and it's been quite a while since Solana shut down. And even if it does again, it's happening less frequently. And those are all positive things. But it's irrelevant for now, because I missed that one. And there's probably cryptos out there that you have missed too, or at least you feel like you've missed. And this may be causing you FOMO right now. So let's talk about the other side of the coin, because there are always two. And then we'll get into the solutions portion of the podcast. So on that other side of the coin, I keep saying it, but we are scheduled for a recession any day now. Um, Now, everybody, including myself, has thought it was going to be sooner than it was. Um, Everybody, including myself, has completely underestimated the United States' ability to delay the inevitable for as long as they possibly can. Now, with 2024 coming up, you have the Bitcoin halving um, closer to April. And then you also have an election year, which is going to be very interesting. Now, people might think that they would never let the stock market go down in an election year. This is not the case. The Great financial crisis was during an election year, back when Obama got elected for the first time. Remember? Hope. Change. <laughs> it's because that's something we needed at the time. Uh, And recently, or more recently, the COVID crisis was during an election year, when Joe Biden got elected for the first time. Now, conspiracy theorists, simmer down. It's not about that. Just know that if you hear this narrative going forward, don't believe it. The stock market can go up or down in an election year. Try as they might. At some point, mathematics and economics will be undefeated, because they always are. And when this happens, how hard is it going to be? How long is it going to be? Yes, I did say long and hard. If that helps you remember it, then great. And is anybody on crypto Twitter or crypto YouTube mentioning this at all? I'll bet they're not. You know, I know this doesn't help your bias, but that doesn't mean this isn't happening. Everybody in contrarian land is aware of how rotten to the core the macro market is and how everything we have done to sustain it has done nothing but make it worse and worse. Meaning that when it does finally happen, it could be really bad. And go on for years. And what would that do to this rally that just occurred? And don't forget, too, all these people coming in, applying for these ETFs, are going to want the lowest price possible. If they can't get it and they have to deal with higher prices, then fine. But don't underestimate their ability to foment the market downward so their clients can get the best of it. You know what doesn't look good for BlackRock? Is when they issue the Spot Ethereum ETF at 2000 and then a recession hits and it goes down to 1000 and their clients are left holding the bag now it may seem like i'm raining on this parade which nobody wants they want to be happy they want to feel this euphoria that they felt before in the crypto market because it feels like it might be coming back and that's fine that's a great feeling i wouldn't mind seeing it i'm not going to have all of my crypto bought but you know when is that ever the case but i just don't feel like it's helpful to be a cheerleader when we have 98% cheerleaders in this space, and with TradFi piling on on top of it. Now, all those analysts are getting very bullish too. You have to be fully aware of both sides, especially at a time like this where emotions are high because we all know what emotions do. So, this leads me into the solutions portion of this podcast. At this point, and this is not financial advice, but this is what I would consider doing for me and my own portfolio. Now remember, I got in relatively early, around 2020, with Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Cardano, 
and I have added on since, and you guys have been part of that ride really this entire time, because the podcast started when? 2021, and that's when I really started adding on. I've upgraded the blog that has my positions, and we've kept that log going for a while now. And every crypto that has been on my watch list is now in my wallet, thanks to the wonders of the trailing buy. How good is the trailing buy? Especially looking back on it now that the market's bold. The ability to not get in ever at the bottom, but to still get in at a pretty damn good price. I mean, Arweave was my last one in, and that's already gone up about 50%. So regardless of what you do, maybe consider that strategy next time around if you weren't already using it. I have a dedicated episode on this podcast to the trailing buy and how to execute it. The episode is called Trailing Buy. And like I said before, I still am waiting for cheaper prices, which seems impossible now, but it's still possible, uh, to where I'm just going to unload and then just kind of be done with it for a while. Maybe buy on dips in the next actual bull market if I find something new. I don't know. I'm pretty allocated to crypto, probably more than I want. You got to remember, when this market goes up, it goes up a lot. And then it becomes a larger percentage of your overall portfolio than you might be comfortable with. So I have to show some restraint as well. As you know, I like to invest in other things just as much as I do crypto. And I still want the vast majority of my money right now to be in United States dollar. You know, so I'm not going hog wild with this. But going forward, if I see something I really want now, and I don't own any of it, or I see something that I want to add on to, which I'm sure a lot of you are feeling right now, consider a bracket. So we've spoken a little bit about this in the past, but you're going to need a spreadsheet. So get your spreadsheets up and open. Type in the name of the token you want or the token you want to add on to. And on the downside, use the trailing buy playbook. Put down the price that as soon as it touches that price, you will immediately put on a trailing buy and then buy when it hits it. I have a feeling a lot of you didn't do this before and you've gotten left out. But then on the upside, for this one, I want you to refer back to an episode I always refer back to. When I first came out with this episode, it seemed you know, rather insignificant, but I keep going back to it. And that is the episode on being historically correct. You guys know how this market moves. With most of these tokens, especially the large caps, if this market does what we expect it to do, even buying in right now is going to make you historically correct. In most cases, if it's the next you know, FTX or Terra Luna, then it's not going to be. But you get the idea. So on the other end of the spectrum, put the most painfully high price that you will allow yourself to FOMO into. And if it hits that price, force yourself to purchase some with the full understanding that you're probably going to take it in the shorts for a little while. But what's more important, your feelings for a short to medium amount of time or owning the thing you really want and not letting it completely run away from you like I feel Solana has done for me. Now, would I still be historically correct with Solana if I bought it now? Yes, I think so. But I'm currently more interested to adding on to positions that I have. So it's like, you know, it's not Pokemon. You can't catch them all. You have to get used to you know, missing out on really good positions, and you just hope to learn from it. However, 
and I'm saying this, and I, I don't want anybody to repeat this, but if I was going low cap, and I'm not, but if I was, we have seen during this run what has happened to Alluvium, the ILV token, and the IMX token, Immutable X, which to me is the number one gaming studio in all of crypto. That's why I invested in it. We've said before that you know even if the market bears for a very long time, even if it craters out, gaming is going to be the first out of the gate. Now, thanks to what we've seen in the market already, thanks to influencers like Alex Becker, a lot of gaming tokens are probably going to bull very shortly. Some already have a bit, some already have a lot. Maybe avoid those. But there's a lot out there that are still ripe for the picking. Just know you have tokens that are for one actual game, and then you have actual gaming companies, gaming studios, that are going to have more than one game under their umbrella. I would be much more interested in those. I think those are going to bull a lot, along with launch pads. And you have, believe it or not, even in this low-cap world, you have more downside protection than you would have even if you just bought a token for a single game. Now, I know on my blog, I did a whole blog on Star Atlas and said how there's real upside there. I do believe that. But I would prefer gaming studios and launch pads because here you are betting on the race and not just the horse. Now, oddly enough, I think all of these gaming tokens, regardless if it's a dead project or not, are still going to irrationally bull in this market. Uh, but that doesn't mean I'm going to turn into a degen overnight. I just know some of you out there are going to do this anyway. It's almost like a parent. You have a kid, you know he's going to go out and get drunk and have sex. And all you want to do is just, okay, I know you're going to do it anyway, so let's just let's keep you as safe as we possibly can here. So for you low-cap degen boys out there, you know, at the very least, play the sector and know that even if you look out for your downside in this sector, you can still have your cake and eat it too and have all the upside that you would normally have even if you just bet on one single game. Remember, when we talk about the metaverse on this show, I say it all the time, 90% of these projects are never going to get made or they're going to fail. Even if the asymmetry is there, there are better odds in other spaces. And even within the gaming sector, I think there are better spaces. Not investment advice. I'm not doing this myself. But if we are in a bull market, and even if we aren't, we stagnate, uh, but the gaming market bulls, please keep these things in mind. Because when it comes to being historically correct, it seems like a lot more people are in the space right now, but in totality, they're still not. We are still considered crazy for doing what we're doing. But who cares about perception? Those people are idiots. Just be early.